Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get out your Old Testament, please, and make your way over to the book of 1 Kings. Please go in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16 in your Old Testament. As you turn there, let me just say that I feel especially grateful and thankful to be here with you this morning, to be able to be before God's people, to be able to worship God in this place, to be able to be before so many wonderful and godly mothers in our country today, as, as was stated before, we recognize and show great appreciation for all of the mothers, especially all of the godly Christian mothers. We are blessed in this place to have so many wonderful mothers and wonderful and godly women. In fact, that is exactly what I want to talk with you about in our first lesson this morning from God's Word. In our first lesson this morning from God's Word, I want to talk with you about a woman that we can read about in the Bible, though she is certainly not a woman of God. She is certainly not someone who was a good wife or a good mother. In fact, she actually was someone who opposed God and his people. She actually was someone who eventually found herself on the receiving end of the wrath of God. Now, we can read about her here in 1 Kings chapter 16. Here in 1 Kings 16, we are introduced to someone who wasn't just one of the most wicked women that we can read about in the Bible, but she is actually one of the most wicked people that we can read about in the Bible. In 1 Kings 16, we are introduced to... We're introduced to Jezebel. Jezebel, in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, and we look at verse number 30. In verse number 30, the Bible says, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, that he married Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went to serve Baal, and he worshipped him. I want you to notice a few important things that the Holy Spirit reveals to us about Jezebel here in this text. First, notice how according to the text, Jezebel, well, Jezebel was married to a very powerful man. She was married to King Ahab. King Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. She is married to a powerful man. She is married to a king, and she's also the daughter of a king. She is the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. That is interesting because that probably indicates that her marriage to Ahab was part of a political alliance between the two nations. She is married to a king. She's the daughter of a king, and then her name is very interesting. Her name is Jezebel. What does Jezebel mean? Well, one source I read says that her name means chaste. Another source says that her name means unhusbanded, and still another source says that her name means where is the prince? And so when you put, all, put that all together, it seems that her name seems to mean a woman without a husband or a prince living a pure life. That's very ironic, isn't it? 
That is very ironic for her to, to have that kind of name because when we learn from what we learn from the Bible is she was everything but that. She wasn't single and she certainly was not pure. In fact, she was very evil. She was very wicked. She was sinful. She was corrupt. In fact, she was so sinful and corrupt that her name has gone down in his in history as being synonymous with those terms. She was so sinful and corrupt that in Revelation chapter two, Jesus used her name to refer to a wicked woman in the church at Thyatira. She is so wicked and sinful and corrupt that she is even impacted our culture today. I mean, think about it. When is the last time you heard of parents naming their daughters Jezebel? When is the last time you ever met anybody on your job or in your school who is named Jezebel? I don't know about you, but for me personally, I've never met anybody named Jezebel. It seems that even the people of our world understand that Jezebel was somebody that you don't want your daughters to be like. She was somebody that you don't want your mothers to be like. She is the antithesis of a good woman. When I say that she's the antithesis of a good woman, what I mean is you can take just about every trait and every action and every character quality found in this woman and do the opposite. And then you know what you're going to have? You're going to find the recipe for a good woman. You're going to find the recipe for a good mother and a good wife. You're going to see that unlike what you find in the case of Jezebel, a good woman. Well, a good woman can help change a bad man. A good woman can help change a bad man. Go back to the text there. In 1 Kings chapter, chapter 16, look carefully at verse number 30. Do you see, do you see how the Bible describes Ahab? Her husband in verse 30. Do you see how in verse number 30 of that text, the Bible describes Ahab as evil. It describes him as wicked. In fact, it says that he was more wicked than all of the other kings who were before him. Brothers and sisters, I submit that that's a big statement. That is a big statement being made by the Holy Spirit because all of the previous kings before, before Ahab, they were pretty bad. They were pretty evil. We learned that in the previous chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 15. In 1 Kings 15, we learned that King Nadab was wicked and sinful as a king, but the next king, King Basha, was more wicked and sinful than him. And the next king after that, King Zimri, was more wicked and sinful than King Basha. And the next king after that, King Omri, was more wicked and sinful than King Zimri. And the next king after that, King Ahab, where he was more wicked and sinful than King Omri and any of the other kings who came before him. He was more violent than those men. He was greedier. He was deeper, immersed in idolatry. And his wife Jezebel, believe it or not, she had some great opportunities to help him in his life. She has some great opportunities to help him become a noble and a righteous man, but all she did was serve as fuel on his fire of wickedness. All she did was make 
a bad man even worse. We see that when we go to 1 Kings chapter 21. Go to your Bibles now to 1 Kings chapter 21. Here we have the prophet Elijah speaking to King Ahab and speaking about King Ahab. And he says to him in 1 Kings 21 and verse number 25, surely, verse 25, surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominably in following idols, according all to the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. It came about when Ahab heard these words, when he heard these words of God from Elijah, that he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, do you see? Now watch this. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring about the evil in his days, but I will bring about the evil upon his house and in his son's days. Now, for us to really be able to appreciate what's going on there in those verses, we need to say something about the context. Many of you are familiar with the context of those verses. Many of you know that in the context of those verses, we're reading about Ahab's reaction when he heard about the awful judgments of God that were going to come upon him in his household because of what he had done to a man named Naboth. Do you remember that? Remember, God declared that because he had an innocent man named Naboth killed because he wanted his vineyard, God told him that he was going to punish him and he was going to punish his wife Jezebel. Neither one of them were going to be able to escape this judgment from God. That is what God said to Ahab through the prophet Elijah and unlike the Pharaoh, after he heard about God's judgments from the prophet Moses, when Ahab heard about these judgments from Elijah, notice how the text says, the text says that Ahab humbled himself. He humbled himself before God. He was sorry about the evil he had done. That is interesting language given to us in the Bible because it shows us that as bad, evil, and wicked as Ahab was, he did have some potential. He did have some potential to be a righteous man. He did have some potential to be a righteous king due to the fact that he clearly has some reverence and some respect for God. He actually had the potential to be the one godly and righteous king of the northern kingdom of Israel. But the one big problem he had that hindered him was he was married to the wrong woman. He was married to a woman who brought out the worst in him instead of the best in him. He was married to a woman who supported him in doing what was wrong instead of encouraging him to do what was right. He was married to a woman that the text says incited him to sin and take whatever he wanted by any means necessary. That's the kind of woman that King Ahab had in his life. And I thank God with every fiber of my being that I don't have that kind of woman in my life. 
I thank God that when people, when Christians meet me and my wife, it doesn't take them but about two minutes to realize that I married over my head. <laughs> now, let me say that more correctly. Let me say it like Mitch was saying. I married way over my head. I don't know how the men feel here when they hear somebody say to them they married over their head. But for me, I take that as a compliment. I'm thankful that people say that about me. I am thankful that in four days, in four days, I will be blessed to have been married to a woman who for the past 19 years has tried her best to bring out the best in me and not the worst in me. To help me love God more, love Jesus more, love the word of God more, stay away from sin, recognize the pitfalls that Satan is trying to put before me in my life. Let me tell you something. There is no telling what kind of man I would be today if it wasn't for having that kind of woman. I may not be standing before you right now. I may not be preaching the gospel right now. I may be far away from God right now. That may be my life if it wasn't for the woman that I married. And don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand. I am by no means suggesting to you this morning that the number one motivation for serving God needs to be a man's wife. But I am suggesting that a man's wife can certainly aid him in serving God. It can certainly help him serve the Lord. I'm going in my Bible to 1 Peter. Keep your finger at 1 Kings 22. We're going to come back there, please. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, I like what Peter says here about Christian women. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse number 1, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them, are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not merely be external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Now, what is Peter telling us there in those verses? Well, simply put, there in those verses, Peter is saying that the influence of a godly Christian woman can be a powerful thing. It, it can be a very powerful thing. It can elevate a man. It can make a man better. It can help him and aid him in becoming noble and righteous. It can prick a man. It can mend a man, bend a man, restrain a man, redirect a man's life. It can put within a man a desire to make good and righteous decisions. In fact, I wonder how many men here today, men who I love so much, men who I respect so much. I wonder how many of those men here today would be different men. Had it not been for them having this kind of woman in their life. I wonder how many good men here, righteous men, men who love God today. I wonder how many of them might be bad men today, sinful men, wicked men, men who don't love the Lord. Had it not been for them having a godly wife. Who influenced them to do good. 
You see, a good woman, a good woman can help change a bad man. And you know what else a good woman can do? A good woman can also influence her man's religion. A good woman can also influence her whole family's religion. We know that's the case because Jezebel teaches us that a bad woman, well, a bad woman can also do the same. Well, you go back in your Bible with me to 1 Kings chapter 21. Go back to 1 Kings 21 and remember, remember what the Bible told us in verse 26. In 1 Kings 21 in verse number 26, at the end of verse 25, it says Jezebel, his wife, incited him. She incited Ahab. He acted very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. Now, you put that language, you put that language with what you find back in 1 Kings 16. Go back to 1 Kings 16 and let's this time get the, get the whole text. I start with verse 30. In verse 30, it says, in 1 Kings 16, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil on the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went, notice, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal and the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Notice how, according to this text, while Ahab was certainly an evil, wicked, and sinful man, he doesn't seem to get involved in idolatry until after he married Jezebel. According to the language of the text, it is after that Ahab married Jezebel that he went to serve and worship Baal. It is after he married Jezebel that he built a great altar to Baal in the city of Samaria. It is after he married Jezebel that he built the Asherah. All of this in the text is indicating to us that Jezebel did for Ahab what Solomon's wives did for him. You see, like Solomon's wives led him down a path of idolatry, well, it appears, based on what the text is telling us, that Jezebel also led Ahab down a path of idolatry. She impacted his life in a very negative way. She impacted his spiritual life in a very negative way. As one commentator I read said, she influenced Ahab to serve the false gods of her father, and the false gods of her people. In fact, not only did she influence her husband's religion in a very bad way, but she also did the same with her children. Let me show you that in the Bible. Look at 1 Kings 22. In 1 Kings chapter 22, as the book concludes, in verse number 51, in verse 51 of 1 Kings 22, it says, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. 
and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who caused Israel to sin. So he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. Notice how in addition to her husband Ahab, the scripture says that Jezebel also influenced her son to serve false gods. She also influenced her son to worship Baal and to stir up the wrath of God. Jezebel was a bad woman who influenced her family's religion in a bad way, but just like a bad woman can influence her family's religion in a bad way, a good woman can likewise influence her family's religion in a good way, in a righteous way. You know, it is often the case in this country and in other places that I've seen that a Christian woman, a Christian godly woman is married to a good man, a moral man, a man who is kind and he's generous and he's gentle and he works hard on his job and he's even religious, but unfortunately he, he's part of the wrong religion. He's not a Christian according to the Bible's definition of a Christian. He's not a member of the Lord's church. He doesn't worship God in spirit and in truth. It is often the case that Christian women find themselves married to men like that. In fact, there may even be some Christian women today here who find themselves in that situation. There may be some Christian women here today who find themselves married to a man like that. If that is the case, then my sisters, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you to remember the words of Peter. Remember the words of Peter. Remember what Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Remember the duty and the responsibility you have been given by your God. Remember that while you cannot control and force your husband to do what is right, you can control what you do. You can't control if you serve God. And if you submit to your husband, you can be holy. You can be blameless. You can be genuine and authentic and sincere in your faith. You can be that person who always voices trust and dependence in God. You, you can be that person who faithfully assembles with God's people to worship God Every first day of the week, whether your husband comes with you or not, you can be somebody who always brings the children to Bible classes and to youth devotionals and to the summer Bible series classes that we're going to be doing in a few weeks. You can be somebody who shows your daughters how to be a godly wife and who shows your sons the kind of inner beauty they should look for in their future wives. You can be that person. You can be Lois. You can be Eunice, you can be Priscilla, you can be Hannah, you can be Deborah, you can be Esther, you can be Mary, the mother of Jesus, you can be Sarah, you can be Rahab. All those women that we read about in our Bibles, they were women who loved God. They were women who served the Lord. They were women who influenced other people to serve God. They influenced their children to serve God, grandchildren, their husbands. And in some cases, some of those women influenced entire nations, an entire nation to serve God. Their example teaches us that a good and godly woman 
can influence the religious practices of the people that she loves in a very powerful way. A good woman can influence her family's religion. In fact, let's just add one more point to this by saying that from this text we see that a good woman supports her family when they're right and corrects them when they're wrong. A good woman supports her family when they're right and corrects them when they're wrong. This is something else virtuous that Jezebel did not do. Instead of encouraging her husband to be a man of integrity and to listen to the voices of the prophets, you know what Jezebel did? Jezebel supported her husband and everything that was wrong. For example, when the false prophets of Baal were exposed by the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. That's 1 Kings chapter 19. When that happened, what did Jezebel do? Well, she tried to kill Elijah. She tried to murder the prophet of God. The prophet of God had to run and flee for his life. And then in the case of other prophets, other prophets that we can read about in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you remember there, we see that not only did she try to kill the prophet Elijah, but there was an occasion when the overseer of Ahab's house, a man named Obadiah, he had to hide a bunch of prophets in caves. He had to hide hundreds of prophets because Jezebel was trying to exterminate all of God's prophets. And then remember what the Bible says she did when she found out that her husband Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. Remember how even though Naboth owned that vineyard rightfully, and that vineyard had been in his family for quite some time, and he didn't want to sell that vineyard no matter how much money Ahab wanted to, to buy it for. After Ahab went home and he cried about it and he pouted about it for a little bit, notice what the Bible says Jezebel did. I'm going back to 1 Kings one more time and look at chapter 21 and verse 7. Once Jezebel notices her husband pouting and acting like a three-year-old or four-year-old child because he couldn't get his way, he couldn't get Naboth's vineyard, Naboth wouldn't sell it to him. The Bible says in 1 Kings 21 and verse 7, Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now reign over Israel? In other words, aren't you the king? Aren't you the man in charge? Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be joyful. I will give you, I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters to the elders and to the nobles who were living, living with Naboth in his city. Now she wrote in the letters saying, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people and seat two worthless men before him and let them testify against him saying, you curse God and the king, then take him out and stone him to death. Notice how instead of telling her husband to stop being selfish and greedy and pouting over the fact that he couldn't have another man's property, the Bible says that Jezebel took part in murder. She concocted a false story that cost an innocent man his life. She supported her husband in doing something absolutely wrong, and a good woman doesn't do that. A good woman doesn't support her family when they're doing things that are wrong. Instead, she encourages her family to do what is right. She is a true helpmate to her husband as God designed her to be. 
She encourages her husband to live with integrity and to serve others and to treat other people right. She encourages her children to be kind and respectful and to live their lives with gratitude when her children do wrong, when her husband does wrong. She doesn't try to cover that stuff up. She doesn't make excuses for their bad behavior. She doesn't sit back and do nothing. She doesn't let them stay on that broad path that leads to destruction. Instead, she has the courage to speak up and say to them, what you're doing is wrong. She has the courage to tell them that they're on that broad path that leads to destruction. She has the courage to tell them that you need to get back to the Bible. You need to get back to doing things the Lord's way. That's what a good woman does. A good woman understands that being submissive, that doesn't mean that she has to support her husband in sin. That doesn't mean that she has to put her husband above the will of God the Father. That doesn't mean that she should allow her children to have their hearts drawn further away from God. A good woman supports her family in doing what God says, and she corrects them in love when they get off that path. A good woman is different than Jezebel. Jezebel was the antithesis of a good woman. She was everything that a good woman is not. A good woman can help change a bad man. A good woman can influence her family's religion in a positive way. A good woman supports her family when they're right and corrects them when they are wrong. This is what a good woman does. And my friends, if you have a wife or a mother or a grandmother in your life right now who's doing this kind of stuff, I want you to know something. I want you to know that you are blessed. You are so blessed. You have a great gift from the Father above. You need to use today and every day that you're given on this earth to thank God for that woman. Thank God you don't have. Jezebel. In fact, going back to Jezebel one more time, just one more time. I want you to do something for me today, if you don't mind, please. It's, it's something I want you to do, okay? After you read Luke 15, we're starting Luke 15 this week, a great chapter in the Gospel of Luke. After you read that chapter, if you have just a couple of more minutes, can you read 2 Kings chapter 9? Read 2 Kings chapter 9 if you have some time today. Read that chapter because in that chapter... We learn the rest of Jezebel's story. We see that in due time, you know what happened to her? She reaped what she sowed. She lived a violent life, and she died in a violent way. She was actually thrown out of a window by members of her own court, and her body was eaten by dogs. The prophet Elijah predicted that that was going to happen to her. He predicted that she was going to eventually experience judgment from God. And maybe this morning you find yourself on a similar path. Maybe this morning you find yourself right now on a path to receive spiritual judgment from God. If that is the case, then you can change the course of your life right here and right now by submitting to God, by obeying his gospel, by coming back to him if you have fallen away, if we can help you with that, if we can help you redirect your life spiritually today, then come to the front right now. Let us stand.
Let us sing together.